I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. And we're back. It's the Wocast with myself and G. What's going on, G? Hey, hey, hey. What's up? What's up? Well, I just thought that I would just chip in first and foremost. That I thought it would be a really good idea to just turn in, turn in early for the night, and uh, not watch the main card. I could catch up in the morning because I knew <laughs> what was going to happen. First of all, I knew that Dan Hooker was going to be the redeemer. He was going to be the destroyer. He was going to be the one to actually put Michael Chandler, Michael Parler Chandler in his place. <laughs> I knew that was in the bag. I knew that was going to happen because these Bellator cats, they can't hang with Right, it's B-Leagues, B-Leagues. So yeah, yeah. So there's, there's no point in me, you know, watching this Bush League fighter, um, you know, <laughs> go out unceremoniously. And, and secondly, you know, for me, I just saw the return, the triumphant return of Conor McGregor, the notorious Conor McGregor. There's no, you know, there's, there's no secret around why they call him notorious because he's notorious by name, notorious by nature. He knocks people out. He predicts these things. So I thought, you know what? Why am I staying up to watch this when I can catch up in the morning? Boy. <laughs> Boy. You had quite a UC surprise two, this morning. Yeah. yeah. UC257 was full of thrills and spills, shocks and surprises. McGregor versus Poirier was something that we anticipated and that we were looking forward to for a long, long while. Well, I was, um, you know, being, you know, as you know, an unapologetic um, Conor McGregor fan. But, you know, before we even get there, I just wanted your take on the whole Dana and the hit team and uh, the FBI and the listening team all waiting outside this young man's house because they had a pay-per-view hit squad waiting for him to click the switch, flip the switch, and to uh, start illegal streaming. I mean, what was your whole take on that? He was quite pleased to himself, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, he was very pleased. But I was quite pleased that I was not the, the target. Do you understand? Like, I <laughs> I listened to that story like a, you know, like I was watching ID Channel, like one of my favorite shows. I was not tripping because mm. it's like, you're not watching me and what I'm doing, sir, and mind your business. You know, I'm going to watch this fight regardless of how I do it, and I will not say how I do it on this show. But <laughs> I was not concerned. And I thought Dana was just tripping, but the more I listen to it, it just sounds like he has a thing for maybe the person that is creating these streams. It's not necessarily like yeah. the random person that is just like streaming illegally. It sounds like he's going after the person that is actually providing these streams for us. And that's his motherfucking business. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> either way, I'm going to watch clever, it. Though. Yeah, either way, he, I'm going to watch it. He's quite clever. Yeah. He kept it deliberately vague because, like you just said there, it cleared up in your mind over a, 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 what, a period of days or hours or even subsequent interviews that you saw with Dana White. But initially, you have to admit, he was casting his brush and he was casting his gaze rather widely when he talked about pay-per-view streamers. He could have been talking about those people watching. But you're right, he was in fact talking about those people providing the stream. Mm -hmm. But no, bravo. Well done. Well played. He did actually have people sufficiently worried because I saw the chatter online whilst people were putting a brave face on it. You could tell some people were kind of like, uh, do I really want to be talking about the fact that I am actually going to be streaming this illegally? Yeah. Like, so he got their attention. Everybody went out, got themselves a VPN, and everybody in the DP <laughs> DMs on Twitter was like, yo, you got that stream. Like, it, it, that's all it was. But once I realized that he was just targeting the person that provides the stream, everybody, I think, mm -hmm. needs to calm down. And just, I wasn't really tripping. And again, he's a promoter. It's his job to get, make as much money as he can. It's his job to kind of, like, do stuff like this. I just don't know why Dana is so braggadocious about his business moves. Like, you just look silly because he bragged, Mike, right? But when I was on Twitter, everyone who paid for the fight via ESPN in the States, their stream went yeah. down. So that 70 oh, bucks what? wasn't worth it. <laughs> and everybody who was streaming quietly at home and not paying a thing was content. Yeah. 
So it kind of blew up in his face. So I think Dana should keep doing what he's doing for his own sake, you know, because it is his business. But maybe not mm. brag about it because, like, the people that paid suffered, not the people that still found a way to steal it. Wow, how embarrassing. So do you think, you know, he's kind of like known for stretching the truth. He's known for gaslighting. He's known for um, incredible narratives, which uh, are a little bit far-fetched and further from the truth. Do you really believe that he was um, with a, well, not him personally, but he had his team standing by, a crack team of mercenaries waiting to pounce on this guy as soon as he flicked the switch. No, I believe that. No, I think the truth is always in the middle when you deal with like liars, promoters, and some, I'm not calling Dana a criminal, but like people that lie a lot, like when I was a cop, people that lied, the truth is always in the middle. Take what they said Mm. and just mix it up a little bit with something else, and it's in the middle. You know what I mean? Like little, do an investigation. So what I saw was, he was just literally probably targeting a very lucrative stream and a person that is, you know, that uploads the stream for all of us to use. He just had one target, that's all. But he wanted to brag yeah, about t- it and get and scare us, which is where I think the mistake was made. If he quietly shut down streams, I think it would be more of a monumental or stronger message. But the bragging part is not cute to me. But to, to the level where he was talking about phone tapping, he was talking about bugging people. I don't believe that because no, because it's like if you're working with the police to that length, Mm. like you can't discuss those things. Like when I worked Ah. undercover or if someone let me use their (laughs) apartment to look at drug dealers, like literally I have been in someone's apartment because they have a view to an alley where men are selling drugs. They don't necessarily tell their neighbors like, hey, I got a cop in here looking at drug dealers. Like you just can't talk (laughs) about the surveillance and all that stuff because the person that you're investigating is going to pick up on that. So I did think he was embellishing, but I still think he's investigating someone. The truth is in the middle. Mm. <laughs> you know, on to the actual event. Uh-huh. It wasn't high on star power, but that's not to say that they weren't some um, interesting and quite, I think, in terms of visuals, in terms of optics, entertaining matchups. You know, we usually start off with to a piece, and that is of the prelims, what actually caught our attention, what actually was noteworthy. For me, I'm going to kick things off with London's own Amir Albazi mm. versus Zaglas Zemaglodov. Now, Amir Albazi, I have to say, he put in a real display of dominance. He's now 2-0 and in the UFC, yeah. and I have to keep bigging him up. He's London's own Albazi, and I love the fact that, you know, he's in there with a message, he's in there with a cause, and he's talking about his people who have been subjected and uh, basically um, suppressed in Iraq. And, um, you know, he really does, I mean, basically bring that message to every single fight. Because if I remember rightly, I did a post-fight interview with him when he was at Bellator and he was talking again in the same vein. You know, that's something which is close to his heart. But going back to his fighting prowess, he looked great after Mm -hmm. weathering, I thought, like an initial onslaught of strikes. I think he secured a pretty convincing decision and um, it's nice I thought to have opened the card with that because it was thoroughly entertaining from where I was sitting how about you no very entertaining Um, Amir caught my eye you seem to know a bit more about him than you know I know and what I noticed in this Mm. fight is that I liked that he was technical I like the one twos I like the straight right I like just even the um, the commenters uh, the commentators, excuse me, in the beef. In the, excuse me, I cannot talk today. I said the commers in the beef. No, the the commentators in the booth, which is to include DC, also said the same thing. Like he stuck to a more technical game plan and he mixed things up. And that's what got him the win. And I really liked it. And I, I agree with you, Mike. It's a great way to start a card, to see like a competitive mm. back and forth fight like this. And it was entertaining. I liked it. So... In terms of what what floated your boat, what did you see on there? Well, Mike, let me tell you. I like the Nick Lentz-Masvar-Ilov fight because um, Mm. I'm a huge fan of Evloev. I found him on the prelims. You know, your prelim queen, you know, fell in love with him watching him a few fights back. And I believe a few episodes back on Shots Fired, Chisanga and I discussed how good he was after his fight with Mike Grundy. And listen, Evlovev is on a, before this fight, he was 13-0, and he exhibits skills that are going to make him somewhat problematic in this division. It showed again when he fought Nick Lentz. Nick had a strong Mm. first round, Mike, and he had a decent jab. And every time Evlovev made the mistake of showing his neck or making it available, Nick jumped down on one of his favorite moves, 
which was a guillotine, and he did it several times. But mm. Evloev is just so scrappy. He knows what to do. He knows how to get out of ex- scrambles. He never panics, and he's fast. And basically, he outworked him and outstruck him after like a, maybe Nick won the first round, but rounds two and three, Evloev just kept doing his thing, outworked him, scrappy. He was the better fighter, and he out- outworked Nick Lentz. And also, he retired Nick Lentz. I believe Nick Lentz announced on IG that he is retiring. Oh, he did? Yes. Wow. And I'm happy to see him go. I don't agree with his political um, views. And he's also very boisterous and loud about them, which makes me think he's kind of like somewhat obnoxious. So I was happy to see him go. I don't have to hear that rhetoric in his post-fight speeches anymore about, like, you know, controversial Supreme Court nominees, Trump, MAGA, all that bullshit. So get the hell out of here, and you can talk about that on your own time. And I'm happy to see him go, and I want to see Evloev. He called out for a fighter in the top 15, and I agree with him. The guy is, uh, what, 14? He's, uh, what's it called? Um, un. Why can't I talk today? I think I drank too much coffee. (laughs) He's undefeated thus far in the UFC, and I think he needs a top 15 guy. I say give him Cub Swanson, and if he can get past a savvy vet that's in the top 15, we push him up further. Nice. That is a nice matchup. I have to say, I made the mistake yesterday of having the the comms all the way up, dialed all the way up, mm. so I could hear all the commentary team and their foibles and every single thing that they were they were actually um, commenting on. Now, for me, I was quite shocked. I was quite surprised. Daniel Cormier, every single given turn, I, I don't know whether he's invested in Nick Lentz, but very biased in terms of commentary. Oh, he, he's got the guillotine in. That looks pretty tight. And all the while, I'm looking at this guillotine, and no, it didn't look like it was on. But secondly, you know, to the naked eye, just looking at what was actually transpiring, with my own view, he looks as though Evluev, he, he, his neck wasn't actually um, sunk in tight, there tight, right? As, yeah, as, as Cormier was talking about. And you could see his head coming out, and it was like, uh, no, right. that's not it. Like, I'm not as so, panic-stricken, especially since, like, Evloev kept getting out of them. Like, I understand yeah. that he was leaving his neck out, but perhaps he was leaving his neck out because he was comfortable getting out of it and getting into mm. more advantageous positions from there. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it was a coincidence that he kept leaving his neck out there. You know what I'm saying? But I think Daniel Cormier was excited for Nick. And also, that guillotine, Mike, I don't know if you know this tonight, that's like his little signature move. So I think every time Ah. Daniel saw him going for it, he was like, here we go. That's his thing, Nick Lentz. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Now, for me, um, the other fight where I was, I was thinking, wow, this is is, uh, definitely something to talk about. Mm -hmm. Kill Roundtree. And Marcin uh, Perichino. For me, you know, he's come a long way since Tough. Now, I, I'm not sure if you remember, he was on the Joanna um, versus Team um, no, no. Claudia. Dial that back, Mike. Who are you talking about, Khalil or Marcin? I have not watched Tough in like 20 years. Oh, yeah. Same, same here. But I, I do, I do remember this being quite notable because of uh, I think it was like a savage KO. But Khalil mm. Roundtree okay. um, is ex-Tough. And um, I'm going to ask you this. Mm -hmm. I thought in terms of pace, in terms of who was uh, actually executing the most strikes and landing the most strikes, I'm going with Khalil Roundtree. But the judges saw something different. Now, was this a robbery or did I miss something? I thought it was a close fight. And to be honest with you, Mike, I was confused Mm. by the decision as well. I I thought Khalil outworked him. But if you see the stats, he did it. <laughs> you, you know oh, what I mean? Right. It's one of those fights where you think that he did, but when you literally go into the UFC website, the homepage, and you check the stats, nah, Mar- yeah. um, Marcin smoked him. Um, total strikes, Marcin had 100, 105 in comparison to 50. Um, mm. with, with um, Oh, holy yeah. shit, holy shit. Dial that back. Mm. I am on one today. I am on crack. Or maybe I've had too much coffee. Switch that. (laughs) You were absolutely right. I'm looking at the stats now. And yeah, Khalil Roundtree looks like it outstruck him. The 105 strikes that I'm discussing was um, actually Khalil Roundtree. Wow. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I guess... um, Maybe the judges got this wrong, or maybe we didn't see what they saw. But I did think Khalil won at first, too. And then I click on the stats, read them wrong, but 
No, he outstruck him. But Mike, yeah. let's not forget there's an issue with judging right now, especially since like pandemic fighting. Like there's, I yeah. mean, last night someone thought Nick Lentz won that fight. Like what the Jesus. fuck? Yeah. So yeah. this doesn't really surprise me, but I will say this. Khalil looked tired as the as the fight went on, and Marcin did not wear out or get tired. I mean, Khalil's mm. mouth was wide open. He was slowing down. The shots weren't as hard or whatever. I did th- thought he won, but he did look kind of bad towards, like, the second and third round. He was waning a bit, so who knows? He needs to work on his poker face, definitely. Yes, and his cardio. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. just before we leave the prelims, what else caught your eye? Man, um, Juliana Pena versus Sarah McCann. I think it's worth mentioning because, um, let's see. I don't know, man. Like, I thought Sarah McCann had an awesome first round, and I thought she sent the message that she was the more dominant wrestler and the faster starter, yeah. right? And I actually thought to myself, if Sarah keeps this up, she's going to win because she clearly won the first round. But Juliana did make the necessary changes. She cut the distance. She stopped being scared of mm. her striking. Like, she was like, fuck it, I'm going to eat some shots, but cut the distance and get in there. And it worked for her because she was able to yeah. get her to the ground. And finally, she sunk in that slick rear naked choke. However, re- dial me in or reel me back in if you think this is too harsh. I wasn't impressed with her performance, and I don't care for the call-out. I don't think yeah. somebody that just um, lost to GDR from a choke and somebody mm. that, like, every time you get in a position to fight for the title, you lose. You know what I mean? Like, she lost to GDR. She just had a win um, not too long ago in July to Nico Montana. I don't find yeah. her record to be too impressive for her to jump up to fight um, Amanda Nunes. And the call-out was bizarre. Yeah. No, you're right. And in, so. in terms of, you're right, you're right. In terms of the performance, okay, great sub, but performance-wise, in eh. terms of the overall package, in terms of what I saw, yeah, you're right. It was like, mm, I think you might be a little bit ambitious there in what you're um, right. putting yourself forward for. And then you think about her last fight, and you were subbed by someone that is not even known for grappling. Subs. Quickly. Yeah. And then your yeah. fight before that, you went to decision with Nico Montana, which a lot of people, unfortunately, don't have respect for. So I'm like, your record mm. doesn't scream Amanda Nunes, but your attitude does. But it doesn't add up for me. But nonetheless, good win. She needs this. How about she wins maybe one or two more fights, and then we can discuss Amanda. Yeah. 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 Definitely with you there. Yeah. I mean, you know, st- sticking with the women just before, or well, as we go into the main card now Marina Rodriguez and uh, Amanda Rebas what did you think of this I mean that that weird ending that that don't get me wrong great clash but weird ending I mean I can see how that would feel if you were actually in the midst of um, the event and you feel something on the top of your head which is like maybe someone's hand and they are the ref of course you'd stop but to, to have it kind of like temporarily paused and you know Rodriguez saying well hold on a minute you just told me to stop and then having to restart again that was a hellishly weird ending didn't you think yeah because it's so funny I couldn't wait for you to call so we could discuss this because even though I watched the fight real time and I watched it again I still don't understand why Marina thought the fight was over did did um Herb Dean touch her or did he just get too close what did you see what yeah, caused her to he stop got, he got he got too close and his elbow, um, or it was at the top of her head, bumped her head. It must have been because that was the only point of contact that would have made um, Rodriguez think, ah, oh, I'm being told to stop here. But I just think, you know, all credit to Herb. He was trying to ensure that he could see exactly what was going on. So he had to kind of like crane over. But maybe in hindsight, the angle and exactly how that played out, um, he needed to be mindful that, you know, in the midst of battle, if somebody that does actually feel somebody on the top of you as though they, they are being told to stop, they're going to stop. Right. But, you know, no, no, no doubt the way that it was playing out was what we would have expected to see as a stoppage anyway, because that is what we saw um, when it was restarted. And that was it went to the right person in terms of um, the TKO. But. And um, for me, it was really weird seeing that. I thought Amanda was going to win because she is so much better on the ground because she has such a strong foundation in grappling. Like, you know, this woman is really good at judo, and then she is a Brazilian black belt, 
period. She's really good on the ground. So I thought she would cut the distance, take Marina down, because Marina is a really good Muay Thai specialist. And people don't realize that. Because a lot of times, yeah. like, because she needs to work on her takedown defense and her grappling, people don't see that because she's always struggling with, like, a Carla or somebody that's just going to wrestle fuck her. So mm-hmm. when she so when, so when she didn't give Amanda the chance to wrestle fuck her or to grapple her, Marina just boxed her up because her path to victory all along was the Muay Thai. She is a better striker than her, and that's what we saw. Keep the fight standing and murk her on the feet, and that's what we saw. But I did feel really bad for Amanda. It was almost like, I don't want to say it was a pathetic loss, but it was so sad. And she had that little baby face, and she was just standing there all confused, and then Marina just lumped her up with that elbow over the top after Herb continued the fight, and then finally that right hand that just dropped her all silly, and Herb couldn't take it no more. made me sad because she's so sweet, but it is what it is. You know, and Amanda will yeah. come back. She's got, she's popular. She's well-rounded. She just needs to work on her hands a bit more when she's fighting another Muay Thai person, and she'll be fine. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Now, one hundred percent. Yeah. Moving on to Andrew Sanchez and Mahmoud Muradov. What did you make of this? It's, I think it's the only fight that I called correctly. I'm, I just like to say to you and all the people listening, my fight picks sucked <laughs> last night. And <laughs> I'm happy to wake up and see that most people picked both. incorrectly. Yeah, no, most of us did, Mike. So I don't feel too mm-hmm. bad. Like I woke up and my mentions is like, gee, what the fuck? Everything I picked was wrong. I was like, me too. <laughs> don't feel bad. But back to this fight. I predicted yeah. uh, Mahmoud Meridov mm-hmm. would um, would beat him. I mean, I was so I was in D.C. last time he fought. I forget the name of his competitor, but he he punched somebody so hard their mouthpiece flew out of his mouth, and the dude spun three sixty in D.C. Muradov wow. caught my attention with that knockout. And then I realized that he's just technically sound as a boxer, and he has really good killer instinct. If he thinks that you have a weakness or if he sees that you're hurt, he follows up. And that's what we saw with Andrew Sanchez. Once he had him hurt, you saw that flying knee, and then he just beat him down. And that's what he's good at. He's a technical good boxer with killer instinct. So I wasn't surprised yeah. by this. But Andrew put out a good sh- good fight, and he'll be back as well. What'd you think? What'd you think of Maradon? Yeah. You're right. He he is a killer. Um, it was Trevor Smith uh, he fought last time, there and um, where the, where the mouthpiece actually flew out. But it was a nice back and forth uh, between these two. And um, Andrew Sanchez, I have to say, he looked like he was coming on strong just before Muradov uh, unloaded on him in round three, and obviously ended things via mm-hmm. um, TKO. But no, I, I was impressed, and I I do remember. It's only because, like you pointed him out to me the last time, that um, that I should he should be one to watch, and um, oh, that's yeah. why I was kind of like <clears throat> a little bit high on him going into this. But um, moving on, Joanne Calderwood, Scotland's own Joanne Calderwood, coming out with the uh, the, the victory here in uh, the, this unanimous decision against Jessica I. I'm glad that she is back to winning ways and um rein me in here i mean based on this performance i have to say it was okay it wasn't i don't know i haven't seen the venomous joanne calderwood of old the teep you in the face or teep kick you in the face joanne calderwood yeah now for me i'd love to see her get back into title contention and that is to face Shevchenko she was due that and because she took a late notice um, fight obviously she got thrown down the the pecking order because of it but I'm not so sure that this kind of a win warrants her back into that frame but I would like to see her get there I, I feel that you know why? I, I've got a soft spot for, for Joanne, to be honest. Because Why? you know Valentina's going to beat the shit out of her. Why you want to see I know, this? Mercy, I, I know, Mike, I know. Mercy. It's just that. It's just that. I remember when she came out of the tough house. Um, I was suitably impressed with how she performed in the tough house, and so much so that in my first interview with her, I said, you know, it's it's something which I feel. Um, is due to you. I can see you going all the way to the top, and I, I feel invested because I, I, I sowed that seed mm-hmm. <laughs> out there in my own mind. To yeah. be honest with you, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like doubly invested as well because she's um, you from are Scotland. Fanned. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, Mike, I, I, I don't agree with you. You know what it is? I think Joanne Calderwood has hit her ceiling. I don't think there's any room for improvement. She's either hot or cold. She has flashes of greatness with the teep kicks, and then she goes back and is befuddled by, like, Caitlin Shikagian. You know, like, she'll have performances where you're like, what's wrong with you? Or yeah kick her bitch like damn what are you doing you know what i'm saying (laughs) like and i just think she's hit her ceiling like we just we never see like a breakout breakout performance with her that leads me to believe that she can give valentina even the slightest problem i mean if jessica i had not kept joanne calderwood at a distance or range that she likes she could have won that fight she was stronger than her believe it or not in the clinch Every time they clinched up, I felt like Jessica I was bullying her a bit more, and the dirty boxing was to her advantage slightly. But Joanne Calderwood, if you give her that space or range, kind of like Pettis, she gonna beat your ass, and that's what we saw, and that's why she won. <laughs> but you think, but think about it, Jessica I just didn't have the smarts to keep her, you know, at a distance, like to clinch up with her and close that gap. Valentina yeah. will, and she's hella strong. So she's just going to pick her up in a clinch, slam her down, and beat her up. I don't, I don't know if I'm in a rush to see that. But we'll see if Joanne um, either either my theory is correct that she's hit the ceiling or she's going to get better and face Valentina one day. But we shall see. I really hate when you are right, but I feel that you are right. Because as I say, that's why I tentatively said that, you know what, I'd love to see the Shevchenko match up. Mm-hmm. Um, only because I'm that emotionally invested in Yeah, you in want to see her get that, her you know, shot. I, I say, yeah. Yes, but I, I think you were right. You're you're spot on there in terms of like the hitting the ceiling. Yeah, but, uh, it sucks it though. Me to say yeah. that, she's a fan. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, you want to see her like do well. She's a fan favorite. That cute little squeaky voice when she, you know, when that teep kick is on the money, it's an entertaining fight. Yeah. She don't say mm. nothing horrendous. She's from the UK. Like she's dope, but. Man, it's just like, where are the improvements? Where's that out, that breakout performance from her, man? You know? Ah, oh, man, stop being right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. This, it sucks. You're, you're, you're saying all the things that my head should be saying, but yeah. I'm overruled by my heart. But no, you're spot on. Everything you've said there is painfully accurate. Yeah, I can't blame you, though. I'm a fan as well. I can't blame you. She's a sweetheart. Yeah. Now, <laughs> next up, Dan Hooker and <laughs> Michael Chandler. I have to say, as I alluded to at the beginning mm-hmm. of the show, I got this and called this badly wrong. For me, Michael Chandler coming into this, and I have to say, I was down on this man because, you know, his uh, parlor love and love of parlor and bigging up parlor and asking people to join him over at parlor um, d- didn't put him in um, my good books. And, um, I think this proves just one thing, though. You know, people are talking about Bellator being the B-League, the Bush League and Scrubs, and this is the home of where people go to retire. No, look what happened here. Shut my mouth. And uh, let me just get these plates out because I need to be eating crow. Whereas Dan Hooker put on a tentative, cautious and slow performance, Michael Chandler put on the antithesis. He was the competitive aspect of this fight. Razor sharp element of this oh, fight. Was beautiful. Hungry element of this fight. And so patient as well. He could have gone in there and rushed. But he was like, hold on a minute. Okay, I'm stalking you down and you're doing nothing. But I feel like... Let me just take a breather here. But Mike, even though he was stalking him, I don't think it was rushed. Mm. But... He kind of like once that once the fight started, he went straight at him, not rushed, but yeah. he kind of made like it was Dan Hooker that was circling and moving around with his hands down, which doesn't make sense to yes. me. And yeah. he was running so much that there were times where Michael Chandler would just stop and try to reset exactly. and put his hands down. And yep. then finally he would hit yep. the body with a straight right, which set up mm. the killer shot. I, DC nailed it like. Because I noticed this, too. He kept hitting Dan Hooker's body as he would, like, skate away from him. And I was like, yo, he's setting something up with that. And lo and behold, he did. He hit him with the body. Then he came up top, dropped him, and then followed up. And I love the experience, the veteran experience. When he was nailing him from the bottom, notice he put his he put his hips out so that Dan Hooker could not grab him and all he could do was absorb yeah. those punches. That's a vet move. Mm-hmm. That's somebody that's been in there a lot. And Mike. Michael Chandler used his athleticism against Dan Hooker. Dan Hooker is tall, he's lanky, but he's not the most athletic ginger guy in the world. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah, not the yeah. most like flexible 
You know, he's kind of like a Michael Bisming. They work hard, but I can't mm-hmm. say they're the most athletic doing backflips type of motherfuckers in the game. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but Michael Chandler used that to his advantage, went straight at him and athletically and beautifully just tore him apart very quickly and made quite a statement. Now, yeah. now, Mike, did you hear that Dan Hooker left his gloves in the ring? And tell me what you think of that. Well, he didn't actually say anything. He took the gloves off. Yes, he left them in but he didn't announce anything mm-hmm. he just kept moving right so yes that's kind of like emblematic and it's kind of like an iconic way to kind of like hang them up literally and figuratively but i'm not so convinced let's wait and hear and see and kind of like find out how this actually plays out because up until now we've not heard anything i've not seen anything yeah. um on his instagram or even which on is Twitter. smart so, yeah. yeah. Because and plus, you know, go ahead. props to Dan Hooker. Fact is, he's now got to wait, what, 14 days until he can see his family. Now, the last time we remember the iconic photo of him actually saying hello to his family behind a cage, behind wire fencing. So, you know, that is a painful process. Yeah. I mean... Dan Hooker comes off to me as like an emotional guy, you know, like he fights with his heart and soul and he's very vocal on Twitter and other apps, you know what I mean? So I wasn't surprised he put his gloves down, almost like being upset, but can you blame him? He sacrificed time with his family. He trained his ass off only to come out, circle around the cage with his hands down to get blasted by some newcomer that we all thought couldn't beat a top five UFC guy, which is Dan Hooker. You know what I mean? In the so, first round. In the first round. And Dan mm. Hooker, Mike, fun fact, has never been knocked out in the UFC. Wow. Never been knocked out. That's how tough this motherfucker is. He might not be the mm. most athletic mm. and flexible dude out there. He's not doing flips when he wins, but he wins. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And then when he loses, he goes down like a soldier. We saw him fight Edson Barboza. This is not like him to circle with his hands down and get clocked like that. Mm-hmm. And, and and shout out to Michael Chandler for having UFC jitters, having his moment, honing that in and doing what he needs to do. He could have been nervous. He could have been. We, we all talk shit. We all said he wasn't going to do this. And he yeah. did it like a champ. And, Go ahead. And now. cut in a wicked promo. You, you, I mean, that was like like he was reading from a teleprompter oh, yeah. to remember all of that you, in, 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 the, in the midst of, you know, the elation of winning. That was a wicked promo. Calling out Khabib, calling out Connor. I mean, he, basically, everybody was on notice. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I saw a lot of people complaining about the call out like it was corny. What? Yeah, people, you know, people were, were devastated with this because everybody thought Chandler was, is incapable, including myself. I'm not going to backtrack on what I said. I simply said Michael Chandler cannot beat someone in the top five, and he proved me wrong. So I think fans were a little bit salty. But, like, you you can't deny this. He's here. He's good. He's athletic. He proved us wrong. And and now feed him somebody else. And if you think the promo was corny, sure, it might have been a little corny. It wasn't Chael Sonnen in his glory days or and it wasn't as bad as Colby but he still used the mic properly and used he wasn't like whatever Dana sees you know was right for me no he didn't fuck up the call out he made it personal he wants one of those top guys and let's give it to him so yeah I, yeah. I could care less if that shit was corny he, he said the right thing Mm. I mean, in calling out Khabib, just giving your perspective on this, we've heard a lot of this whole Khabib is going to be watching and if he is impressed by either the co-main or the main or basically anybody on the card, he will decide whether he comes back. Now, I for one think that is absolute bullshit. I don't believe for a second that is um, what Khabib actually said. That was his sentiment or... Um, his way of thinking. I mean, when when I consider the fact that he was really clear about, look, my my mother didn't want me to go into the fight with Gaethje. He went and did that and said, that's it, that's over for him. And he promised his mum that would be the case. For him to be doubling back on that seemed a little bit odd. So when Dana came out with this narrative, I suppose what I'm fast forwarding to now mm-hmm. is just to ask you, do you think that would be something that Khabib will be looking at and think, mm, yeah, I think I'll come back for that. No, Khabib is done. In fact, <laughs> <laughs> no, Michael, no. In fact, yeah. in fact, um, I don't know where I was watching this, whether it was, I fell asleep on the post-conference <laughs> last night. So I'm unsure yeah. if I heard this while falling asleep or just in passing. But um, Dana mm. finally admitted that Khabib's not coming back. He said it's not looking good. 
And it's so funny when he said that I want to be like, we knew that day and it was you, you know, that put a production company around the meeting and stuff like you can't fuck with family. And Khabib is already rich. And Mike, mm -hmm. Khabib is frugal. I didn't know Khabib was cheap. I was on Twitter and I saw a, a, like a video of Khabib and they were all like, it's time to watch the fight, right? And then they were like, yeah. well, how much is it? And Khabib was like, what do you mean how much? We have Russian link. <laughs> <laughs> you being serious. I saw this with oh, my own eyes. He was serious. like, what do you mean? We have Russian link. Like even the fighters are stealing UFC fights. Like this is, wow. this man is a multimillionaire. And if he feels the need to use a link, <laughs> he don't need Dana's money to come back and fight Connor. This man is stealing pay-per-views. He is frugal with his money. He don't need it. And he loves his mama. He not coming back. And I think the whole, oh, I'm impressed with Oliveira. What I think Khabib really said was, I'm impressed with Oliveira. He's a good fighter, but that don't mean I want to fight him. I think he's literally yeah. impressed with with charles Oliveira the same way we are but he never said he was mm. going to come back and fight mm. him get the fuck out of here that's dana <laughs> <laughs> see dana really does need to be setting out uh, or setting up track teams outside of fighters or ex-fighters homes then because if khabib is talking about a russian link this is somebody who is a multi-millionaire and is stealing streams mike what? if i can find it you know, I did a little smoking last night. I might have forgot what I did with it. But yeah. if I can find it, I'm going to send it to you. It is a video of him. This is not hearsay. I watched the video. Could be my man said, what you mean? We have Russian link. <laughs> wow. No, I need to see that. Yeah, I, I got to find it. I'm so sorry. I cracked up. But it and then Mike, he wasn't the only one last night. Um, Kevin Lee had issues with his stream and he even tweeted wow. to Dana you know where I live I'm about to steal this shit y'all fucking up on ESPN <laughs> um, because remember people that paid on ESPN because you know stateside we use ESPN plus to get the fights right. you all do something else that stream where you paid went down and fighters were like man this must be a great fight I can't see it Michelle Waterson tweeted that the fight was an issue for her and then Kevin Lee just straight up said he was going to steal it and at Dana like come wow. find me motherfucker like <laughs> <laughs> so you know I don't know Mike yeah. but I still had a good time with this whole moving fight. on yeah let's go yeah Moving on to the main event, Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor 2. Now, six years on, damn a lot has changed. Ooh. And again, I need a second portion now. Um, I was full from the first portion, but I need a second portion of Humble Pie and Crow because I thought that this was going to be a very quick blitz. Don't get me wrong, it wasn't going to be a first round um, beatdown like we saw six years ago, but I did think it would be over quickly. That's because, you know what? I have a romanticized view and romanticized memory. And, of course, I'm a big fan of Conor McGregor. Mm -hmm. Now, it's that romanticized memory of Conor McGregor doing great things that made me feel as though this was going to be a very short and sharp wake-up call for Dustin Poirier. And I don't know about you, but mm -hmm. going into this, there were some tells now, it's okay in 2020 vision and hindsight and all of that, but when you look back on this, he looked as though he'd aged. It looked as though, you know, Connor is going through some things and it's wearing on him. Now, th that was the first tell, but the second tell was, don't tell me that on the week that your fight is due to actually take place a massive lawsuit is actually unveiled that won't add to your stress that won't add to your worries that won't add to what's actually occupying your mind i think that played a part as well i'm not for a second excusing what actually um uh, possibly hindered his performance because dustin poirier is quite clearly better he was quite clearly faster in terms of combinations he put those together and you know the genius plan which dan hardy you know props to dan hardy mm -hmm. uh, told us would happen sticking to the game plan and that is wearing out connor's calves and uh, th 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 those kicks obviously were debilitating but again just on a tell did you notice the way that um connor stumbled up the steps as he was walking into the cage yeah yeah i, I did now again don't get me wrong i'm not excusing the performance because underline this capitalize this dustin poirier was just better i i just i miss the old connor i miss the vim i miss the trash talk Mike, I'm, i miss I'm, the fact that 
Huh? I'm ready to argue with you. I, I, um, yeah, I can't even let you finish. I'm like, stop, 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 stop. What the fuck did we see? Dustin Poirier was better. Dustin Poirier was better. Who was better in the mm-hmm. first round? You can't tell me that your butt cheeks were not tight like mine watching Connor. Just walk him into the most perfectly landed shots. The footwork was superb. The way in which Connor went across that cage and controlled Dustin with just merely footwork and making him aligning him up perfectly for those hard shots that had me jumping. I thought the fight was over in the first round. I was like, ooh, Dustin is going to go down at some point. I was petrified. (laughs) So to hear you like, Dustin was the better man. He was the better man because of those calf kicks. And the second round, he capitalized off those calf kicks. If Conor had checked those calf kicks or had stuck to his karate style, I truly believe Conor would have knocked Dustin out at some point. I don't. No way. Disagree. That first round was this. scary. Hush your mouth. You don't. You weren't there. <laughs> you didn't watch that shit. You wasn't scared. Yes, I watched it twice. That's what I'm saying. That's why I had to kind of like eat humble pie because it was no way for me how it played out in my mind, how it actually transpired. And I think that you were romanticizing what actually happened because oh. it was equally as competitive as it was compelling when you're talking about dusting Poirier, this is i'm paraphrasing now don't 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 get at me but i'm paraphrasing you're basically saying for the first round dusting was on the back foot yes that's not true i thought so no (laughs) i thought so i was shook those bombs you are ready to argue shit i was shook and then the footwork had me like in love like i was like look at him commanding his presence keeping dustin on the back foot and basically just kind of lulling him into being in the perfect spot for him to land these shots that are making me jump out my damn hammock like are you kidding me and then this how come you're not talking about the adjustments though yes i'm about to you know i talked made in the first round come on i'm about to i talk too damn much but that's why round two we saw what we saw dustin was quietly Dustin, and then, you know what I liked about Dustin? Yes, Connor was smoking him in the first round, but he he didn't panic like I did. I panicked. I was like, the fight's over. Fight's over. Dustin's going down. <laughs> Dustin did not do what Gina did, and he calmed down, and he stuck to the game plan of mix it up. You saw him go for a takedown, and he got it. Yeah. I was proud of him. And secondly, you don't want to check calf kicks? Dustin said, no problem. It's a part of the game plan. I'm going to take your leg, leg out. I'm going to try my best not to die in the first round with these power bombs. And he took his leg out, and it was beautiful. Because why? Connor came out in the re- second round with no front leg, no lead leg. Nope. And, and Dustin was able to capitalize off. That's brilliant. And you are right. Dustin was the better fighter. But can we please not act like Connor was waxing that ass in the first round? Can we not ignore that? I think, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that Connie was shit. Remember, I'm glad that I underlined, capitalized the fact that I'm a Connor fan. And I'm, I'm not, I'm gonna so just, I just, sound just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But don't tell me that this wasn't about... Dustin Poirier downloading the data, ensuring that he got the range, making sure that he had finally figured out what the adjustments would be needed. And at the towards the end of the first round, you saw him putting that into place and then executing it in the second with vim Mm -hmm. and vigor Mm -hmm. come on now no yeah dustin deserves all the props in the world i think he's a future hall of famer and i do think Mm. the better fighter prevailed i and and here's another thing i'm gonna make an assumption here but reel me in if you think i'm nuts i think conor mcgregor got too um arrogant last night I don't know what in his right mind made him think that he didn't need to check leg kicks. I don't know what in his right mind made him think like you know what i'm gonna box him all night dustin is equally as good as a boxer but for different reasons but i have no Mm. idea why connor just thought you know what i'm gonna knock him out before these leg kicks really start to hurt me and that's where i think he made a huge mistake check them as they start not wait until they your leg starts to hurt and why are you insisting on boxing with him and ignoring those leg kicks you can't box connor if he takes out your legs so check him it was i don't need to reel you in we 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 all know that it was arrogant of him to ignore those I think kicks, so. which were clearly bothering him. Mean, you'd think, you know, the alarm bells would start ringing and you'd yes. think you need to check those leg kicks. It's funny as well. He said in the press conference, the post-fight press conference, he felt as though he was checking those leg kicks. He didn't check any of them. So you're right. 
I think, you know what, he may be too invested in the secret. The secret gives you a sense of arrogance that mm-hmm. because you can see it in your mind, you forget the journey as to how you got there in your right. mind. And, and you part f- of the journey is checking those legs. Right, and you forget that your opponent, Dustin Poirier, this is a mixed martial arts bout. This is not a preparation bout for you to fight Manny Pacquiao. Do you understand? I kept hearing yeah. rumors that, you know, Connor wanted to fight. I don't know how true this is, but I am going to make this a, a speculation or assumption. Hear me out. I mm, kept hearing mm. rumors that Connor wanted to fight Dustin because he's a Southpaw. So was Manny. And I heard that ah. they were preparing him for Manny via this fight. All that sounds like to me is that you're overlooking your opponent for the next. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I think we saw. He insisted on fighting him in a boxing stance. He insisted on not checking leg kicks. Why? You're preparing for Manny Pacquiao. Connor, you're great, but you're not the GOAT, and you need to like mm. focus on who's in front of you and then fight Manny Pacquiao. And I think his arrogance and his boxing led him to believe that he could outbox Dustin in a southpaw position and prep himself for Manny, and that was a huge mistake. Focus on what's in front of you, then fight Manny. Because guess what? Yeah. He ain't fighting Manny now. He got to get a win in the UFC before he tries to say he's a, a, a boxer that compete can compete with them manny and them he has to stay and fight which i think you kind of like talking about now um what is connor's undoing stay in your lane Great. stay in your field yes. become a master of your craft Thank you. within the medium by which you trained for why are you going all herky-jerky and doing boxing i mean what's next because he's really WWE, good at it you know but the, the fact is just stay in your lane be a master of that craft i agree and actually acknowledge the fact that you are not a professional boxer so you are not going to beat a professional right. boxer yes the jake pauls of this world let's pull in that fight but professional boxer manny pacquiao i don't you feel as though you're going to stand toe to toe with him I, ain't gonna happen i think jeff horn would give connor a problem i think there's some prelim boxers that would give connor a problem because he has not mm. dedicated his life and attention exactly. to just strictly boxing so he yep. so he's already going into boxing you know a little behind than somebody that has been just solely Boxing. Look at Floyd. Look at mm. the movement. The mm. angle. He's a hundred percent a boxer, and so is someone like Jeff Horn. So yeah, you want to chase Manny Pacquiao in his older days to boxing. He can. Manny would still beat him in his older days. And I'm like yes. you, Mike. Just focus on being the best mixed martial artist in the world. This is mm. where you started. Mm. This is where you're loved. Mm. This is where you're a double yep. champ. Defend double champ status now if I was him. Yes. I'd, I'd be double champ, and then I'd defend them to shut everybody up. I wouldn't even be thinking about Preach. boxing. Mm. But he's got, he's a true competitor. He wants it all. He's greedy. He wants it all. That's all it is. And he believes in himself, Mike. He's not like, he's not talking like us. He probably thinks he can smoke Jeff Horn, Manny, and Floyd. He believes that (laughs) shit. So, I don't know. I love the first round in Connor, but I love the changes Dustin made to prevail. And I loved it. He's a future Hall of Famer. But I I can't front. Connor's first round got me crazy, even in this moment. It was shocking to see the accuracy, the footwork. It was beautiful. I just wish it didn't go into his head. It's interesting because, again, I saw Dustin Poirier leading him, making him um, do those things and measuring up how he was going to counter that, how he was going to come back from that, how he was going to make those adjustments. Mm -hmm. And he did. It was like a perfect game plan. It was executed with perfection. I mean, Mike, where did SBG go wrong? Like, they don't know to check leg kicks? Or, or do you know in the, in the I saw a clip of Connor discussing it, and he was like, I thought I was checking them, but I actually was checking yeah. them incorrectly? Like, what happened? Mm. Like, what, what did SBG, did they just, like, not think Dustin was going to kick his lead leg? Or, or was it my theory that they're just so arrogant about he's such a good boxer? Fuck it, we didn't work on that, you know? I just, I just don't yeah. understand that gaping hole in, in the leg kick thing and, and the, him insisting on that boxing stance in a mixed martial arts fight. I'm going to say something, and I mean no disrespect, but I feel it has to be said. Mm-hmm. John Kavanaugh, ex- exceptional coach, but his background, his grounding is in BJJs, within the jiu-jitsu sphere. He is a savant when it comes to jiu-jitsu, but I don't have him down as a striking coach, as somebody who'll be able to command um, the game plan of somebody in a stand-up battle. So, as far as I could see, 
he'd brought in um, his ex-coach from the crumbling boxing days. Mm. But that deals with boxing. So where was the kickboxing element? Where was the, you need to actually factor in that your legs are going to be, especially in your wide stance that you have sometimes as your arsenal, as your um, striking base. Because of that, you're going to need to check those leg kicks. And, you know, one of the things that I do really remember from um, Dustin and the way in which he fights, he attacks those legs. So are you telling me that in the pre-fight build-up, when you're watching tape, you didn't notice that and you'd need to guard against that? But where was the guy who noticed that? Where was the guy who was actually advising on that? I wouldn't have thought he'd be within John Kavanaugh or this boxing coach. I, I think they thought that Connor was levels ahead of Dustin in the boxing area and they legit thought nah. he could just beat him in boxing. I, and and mm. I and I and I stand firmly by my my theory or my speculation or assumption, whatever you want to call it. I really think they yeah. brought that boxing coach in to get him ready for Manny Pacquiao and to fight uh-huh. Dustin Poirier as a southpaw and get him ready. Like that was like the prerequisite game plan to Manny Pacquiao. If I can smoke Dustin Poirier, who has a similar style to Manny, not as fast but as a southpaw, I can take what I learned from that match to boxing. And I think that's where they went yeah. wrong. And they started early. They started the prep for Manny with this boxing coach for Dustin Poirier. And I think that's where they fucked yeah. up. Focus on Dustin. Yeah. Focus on being a mixed martial artist, and then um, fight Manny Pacquiao. But I do agree, fighting a southpaw did get him ready. But still, focus on Dustin. Mm-hmm. It, yep. it, I don't, but I could be wrong. This is all speculation. I don't know these people. You know what I mean. So we'll have to wait and for Connor to divulge more details about what went wrong. Yeah. And I do like that about him. I love that when he loses, he breaks it down. He's not a Ronda Rousey. You know. He's very brave to uh, yes. face the press after yeah. that. I mean, it was it, you could tell he was crushed. Yeah. But you know, talking about speculation, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop this on you. Mm-hmm. I dropped a little poll. It was a very very um, short and um, a snatch poll on Twitter. And my question was: Look, indulge me. You're Conor McGregor's manager. What do you advise as his next course of action? A cash grab in boxing, Nate Diaz three, or even Poirier three. Or an alternative suggest below. Now I'm going to read out some of the suggestions which people came through mm-hmm. with. Um, about like you know 30 or 40. Uh, no, actually 18 suggestions. But what is your answer to that? Your Conor McGregor's manager. What do you advise on his next course of action? I think you have to get him a fight that's competitive, but something that they know they can win. So give him Nate Diaz. Oh, okay. I think that fight so is Nate incredibly DS3. challenging for him. But they fought him before. Conor has improved since their fight and I think they yeah. should go for that. I think, you know, maybe going up to fight Masvidal or or anything risky right now is not for him. He has to seal mm, a win mm. so that he can move forward with his boxing aspirations or even to just, you know, to be that star again. Don't nobody want a loss on their record. So his management yeah. has to get him a for sure win and mm. then do something risky. So I think his best bet is either Nate Diaz or to rematch Dustin Poirier for fun because I think he can beat him. But he's got it. Whatever the decision is, it has to be someone that that they feel they can beat. And I would also throw Tony Ferguson in there as well. You see, I'm I'm with you. I think that the most glaring thing about this is you have to stroke Conor's ego and his bank balance. This does both of those two Mm -hmm. things. He feels as though he's better than Nate Diaz. This also gives him the opportunity to, you know, have another bite at the charity to to double down on that assertion. But also, we all know that, you know, Nate Diaz for a long while was considered by Dana White as someone who doesn't move the needle. Sure as hell does, because his pay-per-view with Conor McGregor, I mean, both times have proven that he certainly does move the needle. Now, I'm going to just quickly run through, though. Mm Mm-hmm as um, we didn't have any listener questions as we didn't ask for any but um, I'm going to run through what people were actually saying because some of them were quite intriguing and um, quite compelling what they actually put forward now first off Joe Blog 74 he said that a good win over Gaethje or Ferguson um, would be the next step forward if you agree or disagree with any of these jump in and um, uh, cut me off But I think Justin um, Gaethje would be dangerous but I'm down I, mm. I think Connor needs a sure win that's risky now, you, you, saw one, the, you saw those he, leg kicks by Dustin. What do you think Justin yeah. Gaethje going to do? 
Exactly. But go on. Exactly. Yeah. No, they're definitely with you there. Um, Eon won Eno. He said that Tony would be a good one. Both of losses. It's a fresh matchup. Both have history. Book it. I agree. Now, Benny Blanco by the beach. He said that as an MMA fan, obviously Diaz would be a good idea. But as a manager, he could still generate a lot of money for a boxing match. And he has no chance of winning. Fuck off into the sunset. He's done out here. I think that's a fair point, to be honest. Not that I agree with it, but I think it's a fair point. Mm. Um, Sean Denny, Denny Rants. He said, I put him in against Hooker. And MMA by Mil- Milliken, he said a cash grab in boxing and uh, retirement would be the way forward. Uh, this one is, is quite interesting. I, I hate outsider. He said, if I'm his manager, then fighting Manny is going to yield the biggest gains. The fan in me wants to see Nate 3, or if he's serious about a title run, get that ass beat by Gaethje. Either way, the motivation isn't there anymore, which is interesting because that goes back to what I was saying about him looking quite aged, him looking quite exhausted when he was actually going into this fight. But anyway, KSW Stan account, which is Camo 95s, said Nate or Tony. Um, Georgie uh, Kiyokovshavli said Connor versus Tony, full stop, capital letter. Um... This is quite an interesting one. Um, it's not cage fighting, said um, Jorge Masvidal. Mm, I like it. That is, yeah, I, I like that. I hadn't even thought of that, to be honest with you. But that will be bang on the money. That's a fun fight. So that's a, 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 a one for the fans. Yeah, I like um, it too. But I've always liked it because it's like, you if you put Connor against any striker... You're going to have fun. Mm. That's why people were complaining. They were like, why are they already talking about a Dustin Poirier trilogy fight or like a rematch? Because Conor against anybody that has hands just as good as him makes for fights that we want to see over and over again. We're talking about Nate Mm. Diaz trilogy here. Why? Because Nate Diaz can bang and box. Same with Dustin. We're going to see it again. So what do you think is going to happen? You put him against Masvidal. Fireworks. (laughs) Win or lose. You know. So I agree and the trash that. talk, which I missed, I feel that that would be so prevalent in all of this. Yeah, I think Masvidal would actually get under his skin and Connor would probably say something racist. Like, I don't think Connor would be that church <laughs> wow. boy Connor got. Um, church boy Connor is not going to show up against Masvidal. Masvidal's going to mm. get on his nerves and he is going to say something boy, bad. <laughs> speaking of church boy Connor, just before I complete the list of people who actually made comments, what did you think of church boy Connor in the lead up to this? Because. For me, it grated on me. I, I wanted to see the old um, caustic Connor, the, the, the verbose Connor, the, the braggadocious Connor. I, I think that Connor st- still exists, but you have to remember he's like really fucking famous now, so he doesn't really have to like self promote the way that he used to. He doesn't have to make us yeah. laugh. He doesn't have to be a True. villain. He just shows up in a suit with his wife, and now everybody's going crazy. He doesn't have to. Mm. And then also, his fighting skills speak for themselves. If he d- if he's not carrying on before a fight, when he gets in the cage, we're talking. So he doesn't really need to. He doesn't have to. And quite honestly, with his rap and the things that he's been through outside of the cage, it's probably in his best interest to wait until mm. he has a legitimate foe to talk shit, like Khabib, Nate, Masvidal. Until he's honestly upset with his opponent or hates them, I don't think it's in his best interest to always be a dick because when he's not fighting, he's always in trouble. So yeah. he's got to tone yeah. that down a bit. But for me, if he fights someone he dislikes and he turns into a complete piece of shit, I'm for it. He dislikes the guy. He's going <laughs> to talk shit. I'm okay with it. I just hate when mm-hmm. he gets like kind of racist or he goes too far. But I don't mind when Connor's a dick. I don't. No, I hear that. Yeah. Now, dog underscore toffee. He said Connor versus Dan Hooker. I suppose both coming off a loss. Um might make sense um <laughs> john noble js noble on twitter yeah, he's cool. well dustin versus connor three shouldn't even be spoken about dustin is set for a belt connor is three and three in his last six and one and two at 155 fair point actually it is uh flim dog mm. flim dog rda or something uh, amir says or amir underscore 99 says he needs to retire and at Gideon underscore he says, needs to retire. Does he? S- 
Yeah. Does he, this is what uh, underscore Amir said, stroke underscore 99. Um, Gideon, Gideon underscore on Twitter says, does he seriously need to fight? There seems to be a flavour here in terms of people thinking that he needs to retire. And Jason oh, C, 1983 <laughs> said that he should fight Ferguson or Justin. Uh, another one here calling for him to re- retire. KSB1187, retire. You've already got enough money, nothing left to prove. And final one, Ismarslan uh, Is underscore mm-hmm. says that I think that he would do Justin in order to save his ambition. I think he would do Justin in order to save his ambition for the title. So quite a mixed bag in terms of what people think there. A lot of people calling him uh, to retire. I mean, Why? I don't really think he's in it now for, you know, obviously the money he's got enough. He's a competitor at heart, so I can't see him folding. I can't see him throwing in He still enjoys fighting. Like, it's, it's he enjoys yeah. the fight camp. He enjoys the... the yeah. The traveling, the Old suits. Experience. Yeah, he likes the he yeah. likes the limelight too. Look at him with his kids, his family. He likes the yeah. um, his growth under the limelight too. This guy went from living in his car to now showing up in like, you know, s- tailored suits with his children. Like, he's mm. not done. One hundred percent. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Though, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, that wraps up another wocast. Um, as usual, we will be back midweek with the guys in shots fired but before then i want to ask everybody listening to this if you haven't left a rating if you haven't left a review well hang your head in shame but also head over to apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review and a comment Let it go!